What is up, everyone? And welcome to the Raised a Geek podcast, where geek is all we speak. We have a packed show this week, including Falcon and the Winter Soldier Episode 5. We deep dive into Mortal Kombat Annihilation and everything we are geeked out for this week. And by we, I mean Chris. And Don. Let's go. something <laughs> all right all right welcome back everyone to a new issue of the raised a geek podcast don how we how we doing how we doing oh sorry i'm chris i'm here with don how's it going man chris what's up my man how is everything it's fine it's been a crazy yeah. long stressful week it's saturday night as we normally we get this in a little bit earlier but kind of just been vegging out all day so yeah perfect time yeah man saturday we're gonna get our conversation in no matter what a uh, little side note to our viewers uh it's been a crazy crazy week over here uh my my wife has actually had to have back surgery spinal surgery to help correct some uh issues she's been having so i've been kind of you know helping her with that and uh the surgery went as uh they planned so everything looks good kind of on the uh uh on the mend on the upswing but you know it's it's a long road but you know she's a strong strong lady so got high hopes for everything and uh yeah just just wanted to put that out there let everybody everybody know you you know life happens at the same time when you're trying to do your regular stuff life comes at you pretty fast so yeah man kind of been doing that and Everything else is secondary, but we're, we're doing. Yeah, she she's super supportive of uh, the podcast, and uh, she has urged me to continue doing this this week. And uh, I knew she would say that, so it's good. That's just it's cool, man. It's a pretty cool situation. Yeah. Her being cool like that. So yeah, here we are, podcast Saturday. Absolutely. Well, we'll understand when you hear the bell coming from upstairs that you got to run. Yeah. And- We'll make this work. You got to do what you got to do. And for everybody, like I said, send all those positive thoughts towards uh, Don's household and get a quick recovery there. And we got a lot more to talk about. So let's get into it. But first, we got to hit the business, which is make sure you're shooting us those emails at raisedageek at gmail.com. Questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, anecdotes, anything that you have going on you want to share with us, what you're geeking out on, let us know. I'll remember to check the email this week, and then uh, we can see if we have anybody there. Also, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Raised uh, Geek. Uh, lots of good stuff. We're up over 200 followers at this point, so thank you guys all for coming out. And let's keep that number keep that number going. See how long it takes before we can get something trending. Yeah, the lo- the love on Twitter from other uh, other like minded podcasts has been great so far. So we appreciate you guys. Anyone listening out there, appreciate the love and let's keep it going. Like my partner said. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So definitely check out those sources and become part of the conversation. But I'm ready to talk about some geek stuff. Talk about some news that happened this week. This was a quieter week than. Normally, I had to dig a little bit deeper to kind of find some something worth talking about, but I think I found some doozies here. All right, let's do it. 
First up, we're going to talk about a change.org petition, which we know those are always newsworthy, whether or not they actually matter or do anything. I don't know. But there is a current change.org petition that's running wild right now asking Marvel to recast Black Panther in the MCU. Uh, Chadwick Boseman, as we know, last year passed away unexpectedly and crazily just out of nowhere at 43 from colon cancer, which was heartbreaking for a lot of people, and especially with the love that Black Panther did uh, receive. Of course, you know, you think about the man, you think about the legacy, you think about all that, but then, of course, right after that comes... What are they doing with Black Panther 2? Yeah. <laughs> um, it was already announced. What do you do? We've talked about it already a little bit on this show. Like, where, what, what are they going to do? Well, one of the first things that Kevin Feige and, and Marvel basically came out and said was, we're not recasting T'Challa. This is just, we're not. We're going to move on with our own thing. Yeah. And now the fans are coming out saying, hey, we want you to recast T'Challa. And we, we need this character to still exist. And let me read an excerpt from the petition. Um, basically, they say, if Marvel Studios removes T'Challa, it would be at the expense of the audiences, especially black boys and men who saw themselves in him. That also includes the millions of fans who were inspired by the character as well. By not recasting, it could stifle the opportunity for one of the most popular leading black superheroes to add on to their legacy. The number one way to kill a legend is to stop telling their story. So how, how do you, how do how does this, and we've talked about whether or not talked a little bit about this recasting, but how does this, you know, change.org petition, did you sign it? How, how, how does this uh, lay for you? Well, I mean, first off, I didn't even, I wasn't even aware of the petition until I saw you um, telling me about it. So I actually had to just look this up just recently here before mm -hmm. we started recording and yeah, I saw that quote and, or, um, you know, the quote from the petition and it, it, uh, it raises a couple different feelings in me. I didn't really, cause I did see that Feige said they weren't going to recast at first. And then also it came out, they weren't going to use any CGI of him either, yeah. which is completely understandable. And, but the fans also, uh, asking for Black Panther to continue on is also you could see it from that point of view too. Um, so it, I don't know, man. It's it's a tricky it's a tricky thing because it's hard to separate the character from the actor. I know you want to pay tribute to him. The Marvels thinks they're paying tribute to him by not recasting, but the fans are saying, well, you can pay tribute to him by keeping the character. Just in a you know tasteful tribute style way, so, I mean it's it's it is it's a hard it's a hard thing to do. I don't I don't know what the right answer is, and you know me being a black person as well, I can understand the um, take of wanting a strong black superhero in the MCU because he was the I don't he wasn't the first one, but he was like the most pronounced like profound one mm -hmm. and you know his his tragic death is you know was hard for everybody all fans and of the series and fans of him just as an actor uh in general so i don't know man i don't know where i stand on this i think that my initial thought like if you just were to put a you know gun to my head and give my answer i would say the best way for them to do it is to 
keep the Black Panther character, but pass on the role to a another person who's not T'Challa. Like, this is the new Black Panther. It's not the new King T'Challa, but we have a Black Panther still. Whether that's his sister or another character, whatever the case may be, you're still going to have to have a Black Panther, but maybe not to say, like, this is the new King T'Challa. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. That's just my initial thought. It could change more when I think about it, maybe a little deeper, but that's just where I stand at the moment. And that's that's what it seemed like they were going to do. That's always been where the rumors have pointed. Um, I know it's a terrible comparison when you're comparing Black Panther, but it's it's a very, in a some way, similar situation with, oh, I mean, it, this happens all the time in movies when you lose an actor for one reason or another, which then do you recast the role? I'm going to talk in here in a little bit about Mortal Kombat Annihilation, who had the entire cast for the first Mortal Kombat recast. Yeah. And they just you just start the movie, and it picks up right where the first one ended, and all of a sudden you're looking at all of these new actors going, who are these people? And that's one of the things that hurt that movie a lot. So, I mean, you definitely want to make sure you're doing it right, but they just had a similar situation with the Batwoman TV show where Ruby Rose was Batwoman. She did one season. She bailed out of the show. Then it's, do you recast? Uh, I'm blanking on her name. Kate Kane? Kate, Kate Kane, yeah. Kate Kane. I guess I didn't blank that hard. <laughs> you know, do you recast Kate Kane? Or what do you do? So they created a new character to be take up the mantle of Batwoman without recasting that character. Now they're talking, now there are rumors that they are going to bring back that character as somebody new playing it, and it's going to, who knows, I don't watch that show because I couldn't get into it, but it's, you know, the safest way. Sometimes recasting can get real hairy, and like I said, as long as there's still a Black Panther and strong, you know, African-American characters is really what we need and we're going to dive into it because it was a big focal point but i think that's what they're doing really well with falcon and the winter soldier as well i think they're they're definitely putting sam on that pedestal to take you know as a character that i don't think a lot of people thought of in that way because he's just never been given the spotlight like chadwick boseman and t'challa was with black panther and i really think the show is giving sam that ability to hold the torch for the time being in the MCU. Um, but we'll dive all into that and that. So it's definitely, I mean, I'm just curious to see where they go. I don't think there's really too wrong of an answer. Um, it just depends recasting, you know, you have to do that. That has to be right. I mean, we had a recasting with, uh, with a roadie, you know, Terrence yeah. Howard stepped out and we got, uh, Don Cheadle and I mean, it happens. We, and, and Edward Norton to Mark Ruffalo. So recasting characters has been done in the MCU. So, just yeah, kind of, it, it just gets touchy when you're dealing with it because of a, you know, a death, you know, of a beloved actor and right. you know, person and a man, you know, and that's where it gets trickier. You know, it's still a character, so yeah, recasting. I mean, hey, I think they they can go either way, and knowing Marvel and MCU, they'd probably do it tastefully, and they they do what they need to do to get it right. Uh, this week, we also had a new, we had barely no no trailers this week. You know, news is usually really easy. It's, hey man, watch this trailer and let's talk about it. We get no right. trailers this week, but there was one. There was usually two, but I didn't usually watch there's, Usually there's like six trailers a week, so we yeah. only had our one this week. There were two, but I didn't watch the Fast and the Furious 9 trailer because I just didn't need to watch it. And <laughs> You and me both. <laughs> see see but where we're different is i'm gonna watch the hell out of that movie <laughs> <laughs> that is where we're different because i probably won't yeah 
um, you know, hopefully when that comes out, you know, I can get to myself to the movie theater, a couple drinks. I mean, that's the only way to watch one of those movies. If I have to sit here at home and watch it, it's not going to happen. But we did get a trailer for Netflix's Army of the Dead. You ready for more Zack Snyder? Zack Snyder mania, baby. It's back. It's, <laughs> it never went away. It never left. Don't call it a comeback. Yeah, right. Don't call it a comeback. Army of the Dead starts Dave Bautista from... Uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Drax, fame, and and wrestling, pro, professional wrestler. He's coming up in the upcoming Dune. He was in Blade Runner. He's niching himself out a nice little career here as an actor. And now he takes the lead in Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead, which is basically a zombie movie where the zombies are smart and can talk and plan. On top of Batista is putting together a group of mercenaries to rob a casino in Las Vegas, which apparently in a zombie wasteland, money still matters. <laughs> right. I was thinking about that too. Like currency is still a thing, huh? Okay. So like, so it makes me wonder, is this area of the world just, are the zombies only in Vegas? Like, are they walled right. in? So then the rest of the world is normal. Yeah. That's a good question. I don't know. We'll so how did, how did how did this trailer speak to you? Did did it get you excited? We you know Zack Snyder. We saw the slow mo. We saw the action. Would interested or not? Uh, if I was gonna do it like on a scale of one to ten, I'd probably say at my interest level maybe around a five, four. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the I, I've always been a fan of zombie movies and and media shows, whatever you want to say. So, I mean, my interest peaks there alone. Uh, I mean, it was cool. It was a couple minutes, you know, some some cool action and whatever. The, the, the zombies being smart kind of threw me a little bit, like dodging and moving out of the way of, and like fighting like a, like a man would fight. Like, oh, that's, that's, that's what we're doing. I, yeah, that kind of threw me off a little bit. But, I mean, the cast looks cool. Uh, I can't think of some of the other actors that I saw in there, but, you know, some familiar faces besides Dave Batista. A lot of character uh, actors. A lot of character actors. You can, you can just tell from the trailer that it's, you know, a straight-up Zack Snyder property. I mean, it's totally his style and just the trailer. We probably got a ton of slow motion just in the trailer alone. You know, he loves that. And zombie leopards. Zombie leopards. Oh, boy. Yeah. They they showed that at the uh, towards the end. I was like, okay. Now we're doing this too, but uh, I don't know. It looks like something you won't have to think too much about. Just like some action shooting adventure, zombie adventure flick. I don't know. I mean, let me let me take you on a roller coaster ride here. A roller coaster of emotions is what I'm going to take you on. I hope you're prepared. Hope you out there listening are prepared for this. All right. I heard about this movie a year ago or so, where they were like Zack Snyder's making a zombie heist movie with Dave Bautista, and I was just like. Yeah, I'm watching that. It, it, my hype level's like at an eight. I'm like, yeah, no problem. And then I was watching the trailer. And as I'm watching the trailer, I'm like, yeah, I'm totally watching this. Nine. I'm 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 pumped <laughs> for this movie. Like, I'm ready to go. Let's 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 just give it to me. And then they're like, Netflix, it's gonna be on Netflix. I'm like, sweet, sweet, sweet. That sounds great. And then I looked on Netflix, because that's where I watched the trailer, and saw that the movie was two and a half hours long. And I said, why is that movie two and a half hours long? And I dropped back down to like a seven, because I'm just like, you know, the Netflix of it keeps it higher. So I'm still probably about where I was when I heard it. Right. But 
why this movie is two and a half hours. Come on, Zack Snyder. <laughs> Man, that dude loves to make the, make his movies extra long, I guess, huh? Hey, but I can't complain because I sat through four hours of the Justice League cut, Snyder cut, and I really enjoyed it. And I did not. Four hours for me is crazy. So I'm yeah. I'm in for this one, but I'm luckily it's on Netflix, so I can at least split it up if I need to. Yeah, that does add a little to it. You can just watch it from the comfort of home. I mean, I mean, I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, I, I'm not going in with like super high expectations because it looked a little cheese to me. But hey, man, I'll I'll watch it. We'll talk about it. I'm sure. So I love cheese, man. Like I don't know. Sometimes you throw the dumbest action premise or something stupid, and I just, you know, yeah. we grew up Con Air, Face Off. I mean, it just you grew up with those weird action premises no, and. You know, a zombie heist movie? That's that's intriguing to me. All right. Alfred Molina, of all people, has started talking about Spider-Man No Way Home. The big uh, end of the trilogy, the cap, the third Tom Holland Spider-Man movie, the third MCU Spider-Man movie, which there have been lots of rumors. And I guess there might be spoilers in this story as we're going to talk about Spider-Man 2 from 20 years ago. Yeah. But... Alfred Molina has been doing the rounds, basically talking about how he's in this movie and he's talking story beats of this movie. And he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm Doc Ock again. So for those that don't know, Alfred Molina was Doc Ock, Dr. Octopus, Otto Octavius in Spider-Man 2 back in 2000, I think it was. Something in the 2000s, yeah. 2000, 2002, somewhere in there. Um, he was the main villain in what is considered to many people of that generation the best Spider-Man movie, and uh, that movie has a lot of love. And he part of his that he had a lot to do with that. So Alfred Molina has was rumored to be casted or officially casted alongside Jamie Foxx, who's coming back as Electro. So that's where the multiverse idea is coming that they're going to tie all of these Spider-Man universes together with this one. Once again, nothing confirm, confirmed. It's just rumors and speculation but now alfred molina started talking a little bit more this week about talking with the director and why are you bringing me back i'm gonna look like an old man you know i can't do the action i'm i'm, I'm older i'm heavier you know i'm not gonna be able to do this i died at the end of spider-man 2 that was where your spoiler was spoiler how, how are we gonna how are we gonna figure any of this stuff out you know how are we gonna do this and they're like oh didn't you see civil war they made Robert Downey Jr. look really young. We made Sam Jackson look young in Captain Marvel. We'll make you look good. So now we already know that they're going to de-age Alfred Molina a little bit. And then on top of that, he asked, oh, hey, I died. And he said, oh, but, you know, we're we're picking up this movie right where Spider-Man 2 ended. That's right. like a crazy thing. So, I mean, it's somehow we're going to find out what happened at the end of Spider-Man 2, of all things. So, I mean, yeah. this is just kind of all over the place a little bit. How did how did any of this stuff as this was coming or as you're hearing me tell it to you for the first time? <laughs> no, this is another this is another one that I kind of read up on uh, quickly before we uh, started recording, because I did see that he was talking about it and that he was con basically con making the self-confirmation that he was going to be in it. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. My initial thought on that was that I feel like it was just a little too much talking. Like I it's that's how things kind of work now. Like mm -hmm. stuff leaks and then the, the actors confirm it. I would have liked to find out about it more organically, but that's just how I am. All this Spider-Man three stuff has been leaking out 
little by little. Uh, I don't think he was ever even confirmed until he started talking about it. Uh, the, <laughs> right. Right. The, the Jamie Foxx casting that goes along with it leaked out and he i don't think he said anything publicly about it i think he was the first one that said it did he did he? i'm pretty sure he tweeted something about i remember hearing it about him like the original articles i saw were all jamie fox now correct me if i'm wrong anybody out there but my understanding when i was working with cbr was that there was a lot of talk from all of a sudden jamie fox just started talking about being electro again and everyone was like wait what are you talking about yeah so I mean, I guess that goes along with that. We still haven't heard any confirmation from Marvel Studios or Sony or anybody confirming anything. They're just kind of letting what these actors are saying slide. Like, And you haven't heard anything from Tobey Maguire or Andrew Garfield confirming anything. Because that would be like the bigger, the biggest news of all. If those two were to come out and say, yeah, I'm in this movie. I think even Tom Holland has, when asked about it, said, I don't know anything about what you're talking about. Like, I don't know. Uh, about those guys being in this movie so it's all still kind of hazy what's going on but if it, this proves to be true it's it i mean it's cool the de-aging technology that they have now has come a long way so i think they could be fine with that i mean uh the robert downey jr de-aging in i i can't even remember which movie that was in was that civil war uh he like looked legit like a young Robert Downey Jr. and it's like you almost forget you're looking at CGI at this point. So the technology is fine, and him being an older guy now, I think he said what he's 67, so he can't move around the same. But Doc Ock always moved around with the arms anyway. Mm-hmm. So I mean, like his body can be still and just doing the minimal stuff, and it won't really matter that he's a 67 year old guy trying to, you know, recapture the his movements from a early two thousands movie. So I don't know. It's cool. I I, I'm into it, but how do you, at this point with that movie, how do you market this movie and how do you, if these rumors aren't true, isn't this all a detriment to this movie at this point? Like if there's no multiverse in this movie, for whatever reason, they just recast these characters and they're not the same or they're not, Something isn't off. I mean, this, this, I think we're heading towards the multiverse. I mean, just the fact that the volume of these rumors on top of just this, this interview that he did right there kind of confirms a lot of it. But I mean, how do you, the expectations for this now? I mean, by the time we see a trailer for this thing, if this isn't full blown, you know, multiverse, spider verse, it's going to be considered a fail. Yeah. They're going to have to go all out now at this point i mean marvel hasn't denied what these actors are saying they haven't confirmed it either so that kind of leads you to believe it the the rumors are true the marketing is going to be weird i mean i i also don't want to watch a trailer for this and get it super everything super spoiled for me like right off the bat and see everything uh so i mean it's going to be a delicate they're going to have to do it carefully uh, hopefully I, yeah, I'm in, I'm in for a Spider-Man 3, even if I never saw an uh, ounce of footage at all about the movie. I'm like, oh, Spider-Man 3, Tom Holland? Yeah, let's do it. But yeah, I don't know. I loved the second one, and I didn't even want to go see it. And I ended up seeing it twice in theaters because it just was fun as hell. So yeah, I'm, I'm down for whatever they're going to do. I don't need to see a trailer for really MCU movies at, 
ever again, but <laughs> right. I'll watch them all so we can talk about them here and raise That's the Geek Podcast. <laughs> all right, man. Let's jump into Falcon and the Winter Soldier episode five. This is the penultimate episode. We got our finale next week. This one was all building and set up. It was post John Walker, Captain America murdering a man when his uh, buddy Lamar got killed by Carly and the Flag Smashers. And it was the fallout from that episode or from that incident. And John Walker trying to justify what he did and why he believes it was the right thing to do. And then we kind of really took a nice sidebar off with uh, Sam and Bucky and really did a lot more character building, a lot more story development, really a lot of setup for this new or this finale episode. So how did this episode, did you enjoy this episode? What do you think? Yeah, this episode, episode five, uh, entitled Truth. Uh, again, I've said it before, just feels like another solid chapter in this to me. You know, the balance was there. Uh, episode four ended on a, you know, strong note. And I felt like this one kind of jumped right in, uh, right. Basically after that episode ended, uh, to start the, the first, the first thing you basically get is, John Walker versus Sam and Bucky for the beginning of the episode. And I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. That, that whole sequence. It's kind of what we've been waiting to see. We thought we all kind of thought it would happen. I didn't know if we'd get that in this episode or the final episode. Uh, but that fight, I thought, I don't know about you, but I thought that fight was really cool. Uh, my one complaint with it is just that I don't know in this show. Is it just me or do they, does it seem like they've maybe, like depowered Bucky a little bit. Did he seem, does, doesn't he seem like he's always been more powerful? He was more powerful in the, his own movie, the winter soldier movie and even civil war, like just kicking ass and like knowing all, like knowing all the moves and like, he's just like, looks real slick and real sleek with mm-hmm. his fights. And, and in this show, he's kind of like, just kind of bumbly, like, Oh, I'm getting my, I'm getting beat up again like dude you're a super soldier too how is he like and you've been doing it longer how's he knocking you around so much right right (laughs) that's that's just like a small complaint but yeah that was cool and uh i mean we'll get into it more but this this show touched on a lot of different things that uh some of the themes they've come up done already with like um the racial stuff and and uh, we get more into Carly becoming more radicalized in the GRC and everything like that. I thought this was a solid episode, just just from top to bottom. Uh, kind of a more of a cool down from last week, but still good with, like you said, some of its character driven narratives. So that's that's my just initial thoughts before we analyze it. What were your thoughts about the show? Yeah, I loved this episode. It was a lot slower, and seeing that the runtime was a little bit longer, I was like, what are they going to do here? Uh, The opening fight scene was really the only action in the whole episode, and it was a good fight. It was kind of the fight that we wanted to see with the three of them once they kind of established John Walker. Uh, So it was extremely kind of really cool to see that fight. Um, I do find it funny because this whole show has been, you know, give me the shield. I want the shield, the shield, the shield. And they just really put this shield on a pedestal. And it's just funny watching the three of them fight over who gets to hold the shield. So just to me had a very kitty. It was just fun. I understand the metaphor and, you know. Yeah, like 
Sam a couple times during that fight, he'd like look to the shield and run to it. I'd be like, dude, worry about getting your head knocked yeah. off. Don't worry about holding the shield. Yeah, and then like one point they were both holding on to it. It's mine, and they're like tugging at it. So it's just there's there's aspects of it that make me laugh that I know it probably shouldn't because I I do I do understand you know what the shield means and stuff. But this whole show has really every episode has put it on this pedestal. Like every episode, they Sam and Bucky have to have some conversation about why'd you give up the shield? Why'd you yeah. give him the shield? It's just it's just funny to me, but. <laughs> And like, what does he think? Like, if Sam gets the shield in his hands, is John gonna look and be like, "You got it"? I'm not Captain America anymore. Yeah, it's like Excalibur, you know. Oh, you pulled it out of the sword. Right. Okay, you pulled it out of the stone. It, you're you're king now. Um, it's just a it's just a funny thing. Like I said, I know what they're doing, but it's it just makes me laugh. So it, it was fun, but it was nice to see. I I think this show has almost excelled when they have taken it down. We talked about this when we talked about the first episode really seeing Sam on a ground level. Yeah, we made fun of the fact that they, the Avengers don't make money and <laughs> some of those things that, you know, hey, I, I'm not a superhero. I don't know what they make. But I I think that was really cool to see because that's something that you don't really have the time in a movie to show. You don't get to show the ground level. You don't get to show a lot of these people who they really are. You're just seeing them in a the moment for a movie. And here we've had now two episodes where we've been able to see Sam with his family at home taking care of, just everyday stuff, you know, and it's kind of step back from the superhero and see the man. And I think that's what this show has been really great at being able to show and showing actually conflicts and showing uh, things, you know, inner conflicts that Sam has with the shield, with being Captain America, with being Falcon, being an Avenger, being a man, being a black man, you know, all of these things that are in him and, they they are giving him the the spotlight and the time to really tell those and get those emotions out, which if this was a movie, you wouldn't have time for any of this, you know, unless it was a Snyder movie. Yeah, Sam Sam has always been like a side character, as we've said before. So this show is a good way to focus on him. I mean, I know that was the intention, but this episode especially kind of brings the focus back to him that it's been missing a little bit, you know, couple episodes before we're talking about Zemo and and the Flag Smashers and they all kind of had their moments this is like bringing it back to Sam yeah so I mean that that was really cool and you know the main narrative his side of the narrative uh focused on can a black man be Captain America Mm -hmm. which is themes that this show has kind of danced around and addressed somewhat but this episode felt like it got the deepest it's been into that narrative. Um, Like in the scene where Sam tries to return the shield to Isaiah after he does eventually get it back. uh, Isaiah basically, you know, refuses it and saying, you know, the stars and stripes don't mean to him what they mean to other people don't mean anything to him because, you know, he's dealt with a lot. They've, They've told us he's been in jail and everything from, doing things that are good that, you know, Steve did the same things and Steve was a hero, but Isaiah did these things like went against the government and he's seen as a criminal and he was experimented on. And right. He equates that with it's because he's a black man. And, uh, you know, these are, these are issues that I'm glad the show is addressing. Um, Isaiah also says to Sam at the end of that scene, you know, uh, there will never, they will, they will never let there be a black Captain America. Saying they is like, and the government or 
or just America in general. And he says, you know, no self-respecting black man would want to be, you know, that scene kind of hit hard because you could tell it hit Sam pretty hard too, because those are the feelings he's been having too, uh, that he hasn't been able to really vocalize to anybody. Um, I'm glad that eventually Sam did say, you know, he understands Isaiah and understands all that, but we haven't seen him become Captain America. We feel it's going to happen, but he's saying, you know, what would be the point of the sacrifice and pain if I don't keep fighting? And I feel like that's a good message uh, for this show to be doing because, you know, it's, it's one of hope. And that's what the character of Captain America kind of is about. It's addressing real life stuff, but at the same time, you know, this is still a superhero show that's supposed to, you know, give people, uh, hope and i don't know i can't find the exact right words but no i got you when it was it was really cool to see with you know like said sam seemed like he was having that struggle that conflict of can i be captain america as you said can there be a black captain america will the man will america will you know the government will they allow this to happen and then at the same time he was coming back around too, where it seemed like as he was talking with Bucky and he's trying to figure it out and he's trying to ask himself and find the answers to those questions. I think he found the answer just looking at his nephews, you know, and they were looking up at him. They were mesmerized by the shield. And I think he saw the the role model and it comes back to the, the Black Panther T'Challa conversation, you know, in real life, which is just, you know, finding that role model that people can look at. I mean, it's been a conversation for years now within Hollywood of finding representation, finding, you know, I want to see myself up on the screen and, you know, me being a white guy, yeah, I always see myself up on the screen. You know, I don't know what that's like to not, but like I said, watching this type of movie or watching this type of show, you're able to, you know, be that for somebody else, which is awesome. But I think that he was able to really see that, looking at his nephews looking up at him and i think that that's really what pushed him over the edge of like i really want to do this because i want to be this i want to be captain america for you know my my family you know and i think that was a yeah that's a good point um that's what i saw so i thought it was it was cool and they were playing with the shield and it was super cute and then watching sam do his training montage i was all amped up <laughs> yeah uh, i guess the trick is you just got to get the right bounce on that thing like uh gotta learn the angles that was scaring me, man. Like I was, I was watching that. I was imagining that flying at me, and I was, I would, I would not want that thing flying at me, trying to catch it. <laughs> right? How do you get your arm in the perfect spot every time for it to just go back on? That's that seems that's the most skill. That seems like the most skilled thing you're able you're doing there. Yeah, yeah, to get in those hooks. It was a, uh, it was really cool. And then you know, to to go right up to the end, it looks like he got his suit. You know, Bucky brought him from Wakanda. You know, so, I mean, it's going to answer a lot of questions as to what this suit is going to be made of. Uh, you know, the vibranium is going to help him since he's not a super soldier, as you said. It's really going to help give him an edge to really be able to do this. Uh, you know, and there's obviously other tricks that he has up his sleeve that I don't want to spoil for people who might not know about Sam as Captain America. <laughs> yeah, it the, the suit's going to be cool because he's not a super soldier and... He's he's another character in the MCU who kind of has to rely on tech. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's he's still like a fighter, you know, skilled fighter and, you know, like that. But gymnast, 
yeah, gymnast and all that, but that's not going to do anything against alien invasion and stuff. He's going to need some kind of Wakandan-powered Iron Man-style tech suit, I would think, and that's that might be kind of what they're doing. I'm not oh, saying okay. an Iron Man suit, but you know what I mean. Like Shuri and uh, Tony always kind of use the same kind of tech their stuff. Yeah. yeah, so I think it's going to be cool. God, he opened that case and then the episode ended and I literally yelled like I didn't want it to end. I wanted to see yeah. I wanted to see him suited up and I know why they saved it and it makes sense. But man, I yelled. I was sitting on the floor watching like a kid. I was super close to the TV for whatever reason. I don't even know why. I just was. <laughs> and then it ended. And I was like, no. Yeah. I think I, I said, come on. Yeah. I was just like, oh, come on. It's, it, I, I felt more, which is good for them. I felt more in that moment when that episode ended than last week with John Walker and blood on the shield. Now that was, I mean, they're two different moments, but that was crazy. And I said, Oh crap. This one, I was just like, I didn't want it to end like that one. I was like, I can't wait for next week. This one. I was just like, no. <laughs> yeah. I can feel that. That was, that was like more than, it wasn't a cliffhanger, but it was like a, Oh man, really? Oh, let's keep going. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was I was ready for it to keep going, so I'm pumped for next week. Uh, this this episode we did see it looks like the end of Baron Zemo. Uh, the Wakandans got him. Um, we had a nice scene which I didn't realize till I was reading something afterward, and I'm I, I can't already can't remember the name, but they found him at the site where Avengers Two ended. What was the name of that country? Sokovia. Yeah. yeah. What was it? Sokovia. Sokovia. Um. You know, at the memorial and stuff, which I thought was fitting since that's where Baron Zemo's family was killed during the Avengers, you know, Age, Age of Ultron uh, movie during that incident. So I thought that was really cool. And it really seemed like Bucky and Zemo kind of really had closure. And you can even almost insinuate that he broke Bucky broke Zemo out of prison because Zemo said he was on Bucky's little list where he was trying to make it up to people, you know, so it almost added levels to their characters, just their little conversation there, um, which I, I really liked. And then the Wakandans took Baron Zemo away, and I was kind of a little disappointed because we had all of this marketing push that we were going to see Baron Zemo in his mask, and we were going to see him kicking ass and doing stuff, and we got 30 seconds in a weird, like, uh, bunker, you know, uh, shipyard where he shot a couple people and then took the mask off and said, come on, guys, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good impression. Uh, <laughs> I wanted more. <laughs> uh, yeah, I kind of uh, was feeling the same way. This the show did get marketed with him seeming like he was going to be the big bad, and we've had little bits here and there, like some cool sequences with him. But yeah, uh, so I felt a little disappointment there too. Part of me still thinks he will be back for the finale. I don't know if they would have him sit out for the last episode, but. Maybe that's just me hoping. Uh, the little bits we've gotten of Zemo have been cool, but yeah, a little misdirection there, thinking that he was going to be the big villain in this show, and it really hasn't turned out that way. But I mean, I'm happy we did get to see him in the in the per, his uh, trademark purple mask for the little bits we did. Yeah. Um, once we talk. I'm, we're going to talk about another part of the show later. I'm sure the cameo, and yeah. I have other, I have other ideas about uh, Zemo that go with that too. So I'll save it. But uh, yeah, that was a cool scene with him and Bucky uh, there in Sokovia. 
And that's where it felt like it was closure. So that's why I was thinking that he's kind of done for now. I mean, he's going to be in Wakanda. I mean, I don't know what they're going to... I imagine they're not just going to kill him off screen, so... Yeah, I think they said they were going to take him to the raft, which is like their... Uh, prison? Prison in the in Marvel world, so... I don't know. We'll see. Well, we will see, and I would not be sad if he shows up next week. Um, last time, because this is the last chance that we have to talk about it before we know the answer, what's Sharon up to, man? Last episode, you said Sharon s- is totally the power broker, right? I'm, 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 I've been saying that since they, they announced the power broker in that Sharon's episode. Once they announce them both in the same episode, I'm just like, that's the only person they could be. Yeah, and in our last episode, when you asked that, I said, well, I don't know. I kind of thought she was, but now I don't know. But, like, after this episode, like, she is. It's got to be. There's no other, there's nobody else that it could be. Like, Mm -hmm. unless you're going to introduce a brand new character at this point in the show with one episode left, like, how that wouldn't, like, hit hard at all. They, they're not going to do that. So, yeah, it's her. She's sitting in some, like, room with all this, these huge computer screens and, like, security detail. Like, yeah, she's totally the power broker. I still don't 100% understand what the power broker does. Or <laughs> mean. No, I don't, I don't know how they're tied in. Like, I, don't, I still don't understand how she's tied into everything else that's going on on this show. Like, yeah. she's, she's just, the last two episodes, she's just been randomly talking to people on the phone, like, just pulling strings. This one, she was talking to someone who was speaking French to her, so we don't actually know unless, I guess, you, were speak, you speak French. I don't know what they were saying, and I think that was done on, by design. But then that guy who showed up at the end to give Carly all those weapons, wasn't he French? Yeah, that's Batroc, and that's played by George St. Pierre. That's He was in the first episode with uh, yeah. Falcon, and he's also... He's been in, uh, was it? It's either Civil War or Winter Soldier. Like, he had a fight with Steve Rogers' cap. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was like why people were excited when he came back. George St. Pierre from the UFC uh, gotcha. playing Batrock, him returning. So, yeah, I'm sure that that could have been a conversation with him because he's supposed to be a French character. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's where I'm would put that together, but she's obviously up to something. And the fact that they don't want to let us know means that it's up to no good. Right. So, but I guess we'll find out. We got a packed episode next week for this finale because we got, you know, Sam doing his, uh, cap captain America thing. We got the, you watched the mid credits tra- scene, right? Oh yeah, I did. Mid credit scene. The first one of the series showing, uh, John Walker getting ready to be us agent. And we got all of that next week. Yeah, if they even go back to him. But yeah, that that could be a way for them to end his character and use it for a future like MCU project. Or he could be in the next episode. I don't see how he wouldn't. But uh, yeah, I just thought that scene was funny that he's like building. Didn't it, he's building his own shield? Yeah, like, dude, dude, that thing's not vibranium. That's made out yeah. of like tin foil. <laughs> and it was all baby. It was all like super small. Right. Uh, it was funny but it was still cool to see like oh shit we got u.s agent now uh gonna make his debut like this show has just been jam-packed with stuff so we got all kinds of stuff happening next week but in this week in this episode we had the debut of a new mcu character we met contessa valentina allegra del fontaine good pronunciation there that's a I would have struggled with that one. I wrote it down and I'm reading it and I read it a few times just to make sure. And luckily all of those words 
when you look at them, makes sense as to how they're supposed to be pronounced. Um, but she showed up after John Walker's trial and and uh, where he was dishonorably discharged from the military. And he's trying to figure out, what do I do now? And then all of a sudden, Julia Louis-Dreyfus walks in and just nails this scene for this cameo of just this perfect balance of just kind of like confidence and humor mixed with kind of a little bit of scariness like who is this woman and that level of confidence mixed with just her i mean really the comedy that only she can do like i absolutely love her so the idea of her walking into this show and the mcu just is super excited for me because i've watched like everything that she's done obviously seinfeld you and i are big huge seinfeld fans but i mean everything even after that i watched all of veep i've watched the new adventures of old christine which is on hbo now and it's hilarious <laughs> deep cut right there deep cut right there and it's finally streaming somewhere on hbo and i've already watched a good two seasons of it i think yeah uh but i don't know do you want to dive into more from a spoilery aspect of a little bit more of who that character is or how do how do how do you want to address this this cameo that was done where basically she's she's telling john walker hey i like what you do give me when i call you you pick up the phone so basically she wants to recruit him to work for her, but we don't have any other information about that. Now, the rumor was is that she's supposed to make her debut in Black Widow, which was supposed to come out last summer, but now it didn't. So that was the first time we were supposed to see her, and this is now her debut is being here. Now, I don't know if they're going to pull her from Black Widow, if the appearances are going to make sense, or, you know, seeing Black Widow, it, you know, I don't know how that's going to get handled, and we'll find out here in July. But how did... Any, what did this do for you, man? Uh, yeah, uh, when when we saw the heels walking up, I was like, oh, who's this going to be? Because we'd all heard rumors that season five was, or season five, episode five was going to feature maybe a new character. And I was like, okay, who are, who are we going to get? Uh, I was not familiar with the character, really. Um, clearly, I'm, I know who Julia Louis-Dreyfus is. Like, Seinfeld is one of my favorite shows of all time. Uh, but yeah, so when I saw her, I was like, oh, this is so cool, man. And like you said, she was funny. Uh, like you said, a little scary and just confident. And my, my initial thought when she's talking to John, she clearly knows that what he did and that he's, you know, disgraced, but he's still, I think she's more interested in that. He's someone who she knows has the super soldier serum in him and he can be useful to her in the future in some kind of capacity. The initial vibe I kind of got from her is she's pulling like a Nick Fury type of uh, introducing herself to anti-heroes or maybe even villains. We'll see who knows in the future, but I feel like she's kind of that's how they're going to use her and hearing that uh, the character was supposed to be in Black Widow. Uh, some people think she may have had something to do may have something to do with the Florence Pugh character at the end of that, but that's all speculation um yeah man i don't know i i i'm i'm into it i think it's cool i'm glad she's into wanting to do the role because love her and uh so far what they seem like they're doing with her is is pretty cool so i'm into it uh yeah going more into the rumor side of it like we were talking about some people are speculating that this is just the internet so take this with like a grain of salt who knows if any of this is true but like she could be assembling the anti-Avengers team or what they'll go with as like the Thunderbolts. 
mm-hmm. and and Baron Zemo could be involved in that because he's heavy Thunderbolts in the comics. Mm-hmm. And then you you put him and John Walker and maybe Florence Pugh's character, Black Widow, and some other characters, and like she's forming her own anti Avengers team. That would be totally cool with me, dude. If they go that route, that would be awesome. Yeah, that would be awesome. <laughs> I I would watch a Thunderbolt show on Disney Plus without even thinking about it. Yeah. Well, you I did love, look up. Love that comic book. Yeah. Uh, they did look. I did look up the history of that character because I. I mean, if we're gonna do a podcast, I figured I needed to know all of the details of this character. So I do have a background of this character. If you want to hear the basic arc. Yeah, man, do it. Of the character, if you don't want to hear it, I can forget I ever mentioned it. And I can just delete this from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm here for it. So basically, uh, Val, because I'm not going to say all those names again, uh, she was really a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. And then she met Nick Fury. And then for years in the comic books, the two of them, and spoilers for anybody, this is your last chance to get out before I spoil comic books for you. No idea if they're going to do this in the MCU, as the MCU is always that little bit off to keep people like Don and I on our toes. But in the comic books, she, uh, her and Nick Fury have were, been a pair for years. They were romantically linked for years and years and years. And then in 2009, when they did the, and I forgot the name of the series, what was the secret? Uh, it wasn't Secret Wars. Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion, when Hydra was shown as being behind S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. And, Hydra was always, and that was when I think Captain America was a agent of Hydra, and they did that whole arc in the for that summer where Captain America was bad guy. Yeah, pe- people hated that. Yeah, so that's why I don't see any of this coming in fruition in the MCU because I just can't see them. I can't imagine them putting all this work into Sam right. and then doing this. But in the comic books, they did this arc the secret invasion where Hydra basically took over everything. And it, they said, Oh, Hydra was always behind shield the whole time. And basically Val stepped out of the shadows. And the whole time it was saying she was a double agent. She worked with the Russian operatives and she was named Madam Hydra. And she was kind of in charge of all of that stuff. And then that was when, like I said, Captain America was a bad guy. And like I said, it was an arc that nobody liked, but that's where, a, a brief history of that character. She's been around for a long time. So, but a lot of it was just shield related shield adjacent until they gave her this Madam Hydra. So now whether or not she's going good, bad, if they're going to go keep it with Hydra. If they're going to change it, if how it ties into black widow, no idea. So like I said, I can't imagine outside of spoiling comic books for you. I can't imagine that. And that was from 2009. So yeah. if you we're going to read it. You would have read it. Yeah, man. It, it could they they got a lot of cool outcomes that could come of this i mean i feel i feel like they're playing the long game again with this how they how they did the nick fury setting up a team mm-hmm. maybe, maybe she's doing that you know zemo is if they want to use zemo he's he's bucky's nemesis and john walker could be a direct nemesis with sam depending on what they do with uh, other characters but hopefully she she pops up in a bunch of different things cuz it seems yeah like, i could see i could see quite a few post credit scenes of things involving yeah. her doing something yeah maybe she comes to pick up all the villains who get beaten mm-hmm. and like here's my card call me wait for my call her card with nothing on it man i love that and you know that card's going to light up with something when it needs to 
for sure. Yeah, I loved that. That was that was a great surprise that we got, and I'm so pumped for this finale. I'm kind of sad that we're already there at a finale. I could have really surprisingly done more of this show, uh, but I'm super excited that we're here, and I thought they've done a really great job so far. And this yeah, was man. another strong episode. Yeah, you and me both. All right. Well, we're going to talk here real quick because this was a little bit more of a low-key episode, but we're going to talk about Invincible Episode 6 because I also watched that this morning. And I, as we've said in the past episodes, that show, if you're not watching that one, it's worth watching. It's 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 just a solid show. This one was a lot more low-key. It fell, fell a little bit more character-driven as well, so it was was kind of similar to this Falcon episode. Spoilers for what we might say. I don't know how deep we're going to dive into this one because, like I said, not too much happened. Uh, but if you're not watching it, you should check it out over on Amazon Prime. Uh, but this episode is more about Mark, or a.k.a. Invincible, trying to balance out his two, wor- two worlds, being a high school student, trying to cater to having a girlfriend, mixed with, hey, I'm a superhero now, who knows my identity, who's going to do what? And that was really the arc of the episode, you know, him trying to convince his girlfriend that he's not a, a jerk. Yeah. And they go to a college tour, and then chaos breaks out, and they had their villain of the week to to fight him and invincible just really likes getting his ass kicked on this show. Like he, he just, he just gets pounded on and beat to all hell from just all angles. He does. He definitely does. And then we've talked about it before that this show makes you feel like anything could happen. And sometimes he gets beaten down so much. I'm like, is he going to get like killed again or something like when Spider-Man or Batman or Superman are fighting somebody, if the villain's getting the best of them, you're like, ah, well, he's going to win in the end. He's the hero in this in this show. I'm not sure. Like, when he's getting beaten down, like, he could kill him. Like, they've shown that they could do anything and, like, or just take him out completely. Uh, right. Yeah, but like you, like you said, this was uh, a good episode. I mean, it, it, it kind of felt like a breather episode again. Uh, after the aftermath of what happened in episode five, how crazy that episode got. This one just felt like kind of a breather too, but I still enjoyed it. Oh yeah. yeah. It was, it was, it was lots of fun to be able to uh, just go in this world, man. I, we don't know how many episodes it's going to be. Yeah. Uh, so we don't know how far this show is going to go. Uh, we did dive a little bit deeper into the Omni man and what he's up to and what his secrets are. So I'm definitely intrigued more and more in that. Yeah, the the that was kind of like the second side story of this show. It also had the Adam Eve stuff they got into with her, but the uh, Omni Man with his wife Debbie, Debbie and Nolan, the friction there just keeps growing and growing. Uh, and and this this episode kind of had some dread there with the the Taylor who is voiced by Mark Hamill, which is great. Yeah, uh, he like helps Debbie sound uh, kind of solve that mystery of the um, her suspicions coming true with his torn up uniform, and that was a cool scene where he helped her uh, identify the blood stains and the fingerprints and the scratches, and like, well, this matches Darkwing and this matches uh, War Woman, and so you know, all fingers are pointing to Omni Man did this. And they both, you know, figure it out and are gonna trying to figure out what they're gonna do next. Meanwhile, you see Omni Man is outside just listening to this whole conversation. It's like, oh my god, like that guy is scary, man. Yeah, he's he's scary. That scene where him and the tailor are up on the roof having the beers, 
and he's just like subtly, you know, talking. And we know because we're watching that Omni Man knows uh, what he knows, what he knows, what he knows, what he knows. But uh, man, that was just like I was sitting there with like dread in my stomach the whole time. Like, is he gonna like punch this dude's heart out of his chest or whatever? But yeah, dude, he's he's a crazy villain, dude, and he's he's been built up to. He's Superman. He's got all the powers of Superman, but he could snap at any moment from we've seen. So it's yeah, it, that that story is crazy, and it just keeps getting better. Yeah, he yeah he has a secret, and he has something that's going on. And I think even in this episode, he made a he made a mention to his uh, wife or to the tailor. Um, I know somewhere in there where he just said, you know, so fast, you know, all of a sudden the whole world changes, and you know, th- you know your life isn't the same. And, you know, it was just like we talked about in that first episode when uh, Mark got his powers and it just you saw that switch in uh, Nolan, Omni-Man, and you saw that switch like, really? So it's what about his son getting powers is making it so he just had to do that. And he's just like said, what's wrong with Mark having powers? And it's kind of the central mystery, which we still don't have the answer to. Yeah, the mystery has been uh going throughout the whole show and we don't have really our answers yet but i'm I'm super interested to see where they're going to go with it it's been a fun ride yeah I've, I've definitely been enjoying it and like i said this one was a nice little just villain of the week romp um at the university with mark trying to keep it his best friend you know figuring out his secret power secrets and everything yeah. else and it was it was a fun episode it's definitely obviously worth the watch where I saw that villain was voiced by Ezra Miller. That was pretty cool. Oh yeah. I was like, ah, oh, nice, nice. Yeah, it 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 was a good episode. I definitely say check it out, but I don't got much more on it because like I said, it was more of a filler episode. <laughs> yeah, we'll just wait and see what, what's going on next week. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we talked about it, and I know we were able to do the last we were able to do a whole special episode on Mortal Kombat, the 1995 movie. If you haven't heard it, check it out. It's not part of any of the episodes because we ended up talking for 35 minutes about Mortal Kombat because that movie is awesome. And, you know, yeah, it's awesome. And it's one of it's just one of the best video game movies. And for the time and what it was being 1995, it was it's an awesome movie. And we talked a lot about it because Don and I watched the hell out of that movie. Now, we wanted to talk about Mortal Kombat Annihilation, and we're, we're going to right now. So hopefully, if you've watched it, have the conversation. But Don didn't have a chance to watch it. He had his busy week. I watched. I finished it this morning. I'm going to still just talk about it. I'm going to talk at Don about it. Yeah, here's how we're going to do this, guys. Since I wasn't able to review this movie this week, Chris did watch it for me, so um, he's going to tell me what he saw, refresh my memory, and I'm just going to make um, <laughs> funny comments throughout and say how I feel about what he's saying. That's, yeah. that's We'll do it that way. But it is streaming right now on HBO Max, so if you want to pause us, you can go hit hit the movie and watch it. It's super short. It's like an hour 20. So because of that, it's super easy to watch because it's super short. But at the same time, it's a terrible movie. <laughs> and uh, I, I just remember not being excited about it as a kid. It came out two years after Mortal Kombat. And I remember thinking, I don't know where your memories fall with this movie or when you watched it last or anything like that. But 
I really sat there. I felt like it. I remember it coming out of nowhere. Like all of a sudden, there's a Mortal Kombat sequel, and you're watching a trailer, and you see Liu Kang, and you see Katana or Melina. Yeah. But then, and no one else looks the same, and you're just like, this looks weird. What's what is this? And I don't even remember seeing it in theaters. What what is your what is your memory of this movie before I dive in? Yeah, very vague memories. Uh, like like we just said, I I feel like it did come out of nowhere, and the the level of excitement wasn't there the same way that the first one was. Just from seeing the trailers, because I I just have memory of it feeling like this looks bad. Like even at that age, being like this is, looks like cheesy bad. Yeah, direct to video bad. Yeah, direct to video bad. Something you would see on like you know cable made for cable or something. You know, uh, so yeah, my my level of excitement was not the same as the first movie for sure. That's my main memory. Yeah, so this movie is banned, and it does pick up exactly where the first one ends with you know, them coming back to the temple and they're playing that music. How that music go? Da 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 da, and it's all happy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh no, yeah, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's exactly it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that music when I still hear it to this day makes me happy. And yeah. uh then at the end of that movie, then the temple explodes and Shao Kahn is like a hologram standing there going, Fools, your souls will be mine, or whatever he says, and they're like, I don't think so. And they're like, dun, 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 dun. and you end that movie and you're just like, What? And your mind, you know, my twelve year old mind exploded all over the theater and like, I Life can't was wait for part two, and I can't wait for part two. And then part two showed up, and I was like, "What is this?" And the movie literally picks up right at the end of that. But then, as you're looking down the lineup, you realize, I don't know who any of these characters are. Like, I know that's Sonya, and I know that's Johnny Cage, but I don't know those actors. And then Raiden turned into, you know, the bad guy from the Phantom, and. <laughs> You're just sitting there like, what just happened to this movie? What happened to these people? This movie just starts with this dumpster fire of like action. But that one of the big things that they did, and what we talked about when we talked about last week with Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat did so well because it was grounded. Yeah. Yeah, you had some supernatural elements. You had the Sub-Zero, the Scorpions. You had some fatalities. You had some of that stuff, but it was grounded in the action and what the people did. You know, they weren't running around shooting fireballs and stuff outside of that little flash that Liu Kang does. This movie is just like balls to the wall. They were just like, we are going to make this a video game for the fans of video games. So literally, like right in the beginning, Shao Kahn is there, and they're showing all of these characters. There's like over 20 characters across the roster. I mean, literally, it's like Smoke, Cyrax, Ermac, Rain, Shiva. Like, I mean, every Mortal Kombat character is in this game in one way or another. Nightwolf, they name drop Striker. Baraka is in this stupid movie. Like, I mean, everybody <laughs> is in this thing. And they start fighting, and Raiden and Shao Kahn are fighting. And spoilers, if you haven't watched this yet, I think it's to be given. But they're fighting, and all of a sudden, they're just throwing fireballs at each other. And, like, and then all of a sudden, Raiden goes, da, 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 and he does that flying thing where he goes <laughs> flying across it's the screen good. and pushes and slams them. But remember, he would scream, like, da, 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 <laughs> some some gibberish yeah that gibberish was in the movie 
Come on. So all of a sudden you just see you see this actor just flying across the screen going into Shao Kahn. And I'm just like, what is happening? It's so jarring from watching the first movie to now all of a sudden you're watching Annihilation and it's just so different. Yeah. And then they just have this giant fight thing. And then all of a sudden you have the Johnny Cage lookalike who's like, I'll take out Shao Kahn. And all of a sudden that dude just runs at Shao Kahn. Shao Kahn grabs him and just breaks his neck and kills Johnny Cage in the first like two minutes of this movie. And you're like, what is happening? What mm. What is going on? <laughs> so stupid. Like I said, I really wish we could have sat down and had a drink. And Great. watch this movie. That is the only way you can watch this movie is really you shouldn't be alone, but you should be drinking. Yeah, toast to that. Mm. Uh, there's just no other way to watch this movie. Trying to watch it sober is just it's not worth it. Uh, yeah. One of the things that I remember about this movie is it had very soap opera writing. Okay. So it just seemed like everybody, anytime they needed a plot reasoning, they're my brother. They're my sister. That's my mother. They're my father. They're my, you know, they just like everything was it's my brother. It's, it's a sibling thing. So you're watching like an episode of all my children or something. Yeah, basically just with fatalities. So you're sitting there like they're just, and like I said, they just dump characters at you. So then they split up, they send everyone on their missions. Like, okay, Shao Kahn is breaking the rules. He's coming in. He's trying to merge outworld and earth realm. So then we need to split up and we need to go here. I'm going to Raiden's like, I'm going to go talk to the elder gods. You know, Sonya, you go get Jax. I don't really even know why, but she had to go get Jax. Liu Kang and Melina, you go over here and try to stop these people. I don't, you know, Melina's the key. Like, none, nothing makes sense. They're just talking. They're just saying words. They end up jumping in these weird, like, orb things that run through, like, tunnels under the earth that flow through on the, the smoke of the earth's core. So like the steam of the Earth's core. So then they're sitting there. It's all just on it. On, and you talked about it with uh, last week with Mortal Kombat with the, the sexual tension and the just kind of sexualizing like Sonya. Yeah. And this is like so worse because the only reason they did this is so they could all travel together where they had to go face to face, like basically hug each other, men and women in these balls to go flying through these tunnels underneath the ground. It was so stupid and it doesn't make any sense. At one point, this ball comes flying out of a hole into nothing. And then Melina's like, lean to your right. And they lean to their right and they go into another hole in the wall. Like, oh my God, it's so bad. And it's just an excuse. Yeah, it was just an excuse for like sexualizing characters. Sure. Which, speaking of that, Sonya, I don't think wore a bra the whole movie. So, I mean, she was straight up just there for sexualizing. Yeah. So it was a little weird in that. But then she runs to go find Jax, and she just finds him tied down to a bed in a laboratory. And she removes this blanket. He's got these metal arms. And he's like, Sonya, she's like, what did you do? He's like, sweet, right now I'm super strong. Okay. Just out of nowhere. And he's like, get me out of here. And he's like, well, let's see what these arms can do. So he breaks out of his shackles, but I don't know why he's there or yeah. what's going on. So, I mean, it's just like there was no plot that makes any sense. At one point, Sub-Zero shows up. Wait, my question is, how does Sub how are Sub-Zero and Scorpion back if they were killed in the first movie? I'll tell you, did, Scorpion did doesn't make any that? sense. Yeah. Scorpion, Scorpion, Liu Kang, and... Liu Kang and uh, Melina are traveling wherever they're traveling. 
and Scorpion attacks them. So they're fighting Scorpion. So you get this Liu Kang Scorpion fight, which this movie is all fights. So if you didn't think that the first one had enough fights, if you wanted more video game fights, this movie's for you. And I think that's why there is a fan base for this movie. Mm-hmm. But Liu Kang and Scorpion fight. And then Liu Kang kind of Sub-Zero shows up at that point and starts fighting them. And they're like, Liu Kang's like, I, ki- I killed you. You're dead. And he takes off his mask because remember Sub-Zero Mortal Kombat 3 didn't have a mask. And he said, you Great. killed my brother. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> told you if you need an answer to a question it's because you're related yeah and then then he fought scorpion and then and then at some point they were fighting and we and scorpion grabs melina and takes her into his portal and then he yells in that voice suckers and it killed me because we talked about this with Mortal Kombat. Get down from there. You know, he only spoke in that cadence. And all of a sudden he just screams, suckers. Um, and I honestly. A comment, a comment that was never uttered in any video game. That's an original writing right there. And I, I could be making this up, but I swear when Scorpion shows up, he says, remember me? <laughs> sure. I swear, I swear I remember that happening. And if not, I wish it did. <laughs> But overall, this movie is just really hard to watch. And the new one coming out next week on the 23rd on HBO and theaters, I mean, should easily outshine it. Yeah, it hopefully, was just... hopefully we get a redemption going for 2021 to bounce back from that. And we always knew it was a rough movie and we joked about it yeah. going into it. Now, I did watch a video about what happened in this movie. Like, what happened? Why did this movie end up so bad? Because they did, like... Liu Kang goes to find Nightwolf because that's what he was told to go do to learn how to beat Shao Kahn. And then Nightwolf just fights him, but he shows up as a werewolf. And then he's just like, oh, that's my animality. And he's like, Liu Kang, you need to find your animality. I do. And he's like, huh? I don't have time for this. So he knocks him out and puts him, Liu Kang, in like a trance, like a Native American trance where he's like on a soul journey to find his inner animality. Which then he just gets teleported to like this snowy thing and meets Jade and fights Jade. But then later in the movie, when they need a reason for somebody, the bad guys to get the edge, Jade just turns and goes, I'm a bad guy. Didn't see that coming. And you're like, what? I don't even know where With... you came from. Like the, pl- the plot of this movie is weak and it's yeah. just all over the place and it's, it's incoherent. So then I was watching this video on what happened to this movie. Cause there has to be a story as to what happened in this movie. So then basically there is, there was the producer Lawrence or Larry Cassadan, I believe, um, which promoted a bunch of movies, but he was very big in mortal Kombat, And basically they couldn't get a lot of people to come back. They needed to push out a sequel to this movie because that was at the time where he was marketing everything. So they had the mortal Kombat cartoon. They had the mortal Kombat live action TV show on spike TV. They had mortal Kombat four was coming out. Like they had all of this stuff. So they were like, we need a movie. You need to put a movie out. So basically he promoted everybody who was on the first one who was willing to come back. They all got a promotion. So, like, the director of photography became the director, but he didn't know how to direct. So, you had all of these things where he could frame a shot, but directing just doesn't, it's not the same thing. So, you had all these people who weren't qualified for their jobs on top of it, and they were just rushing through, like, we got to write out something. So, they just threw whatever at the wall to stick. But then when it came down to, they did the first draft of this movie, the rough cut. And they were like, all right, here's our first edit with, with the first round of special effects and everything else. And 
they showed it apparently they the rumor is or the story goes that they showed it to test audiences and these test audiences loved the movie okay so for whatever reason whoever they were whatever they were on they loved this movie so new line cinema at the time said we're good this is the cut we're going to use they loved it so much so this movie never got a second edit from special effects or so like the animalities look like P- PlayStation 1 like the like the special effects looked terrible and they could have been so much better for the time because i mean this was right around the time like dragon heart came out which had was i mean that dragon looked pretty damn good i These, am one i exactly <laughs> love that movie and yeah. Uh, yeah it looks a little dated today but it was right. still a solid at the time and these just are they're, they're just don't work. They're cheap. And you can tell they were like placeholder first round special effects, but they never did a second. So it makes sense as to why the story doesn't make any sense. Because at one point they used the same shot of like Ermac gets thrown in this fire by Shao Kahn. And they showed this one scene of Ermac flying in the fire. Then later when Liu Kang is fighting Baraka, he throws him and they show the exact same shot of Ermac falling into the fire, but it's supposed to be Baraka. And like Nightwolf says, as I said earlier, you, there's three challenges you must do to face Shao Kahn. Well, they only did the first one, which was find the animality. They never went. They never. Nightwing wasn't in the movie again. Oof. So it's it's just like there's there's it's so hard to follow what happened yeah, or what's rough. going on. So it's just an incomplete movie, unfortunately, and just really can't. It's it's like I said, have some drinks, watch it with your friends. It's a good time. Um, that way, it's one of those movies, but I just can't. Scale of one to ten, what do you give it? What's the final? Oh, score? like it's a four. I mean, it's yeah. it's three to four. It's unwatchable. I mean, I it has the the action is some of the martial arts stuff is okay, but most of it's. I mean, if you can get past the opening scene, you can watch the whole movie. But it's just, it's yeah. a shame. The things we will watch for the podcast. Yeah, you're welcome, guys. <laughs> You're welcome, guys. But that's about all I got on Mortal Kombat Annihilation because it is a dumpster fire of a movie. But I'm glad to recircle back around, and it super got me pumped up for the new one coming out next week. Um, They did just throw that animated movie, The Scorpion's Revenge, which I'm going to watch this week on HBO Max because I wanted to see that. I heard that's pretty cool. And uh, I did just see now they're putting all the Mortal Kombat stuff on sale, and I think I'm going to pick up the Mortal Kombat Legacy. Uh digital copy of that and watch that web series with like Michael Jai White and uh, Jerry, Jerry Ryan and all the big actors they had where they were really doing Mortal Kombat. Right. Um, I always heard that was awesome and only got to see little bits and pieces of it when it was first dropping as teasers. So I'd definitely be curious to watch that again and see what that is. So I'm all, I'm all Mortal Kombat it up, man. I'm ready to, you know, play some games and I'm, I'm pumped for that movie. Hopefully this new one gives you a little redemption there. For annihilation and uh, gives it's, you the story, gives you the story that Mortal Kombat deserves for us fans. Yeah, they're known for their stories. So, I mean, that's they're one of the first fighting games to do story. They're one of the biggest convoluted stories. So, I mean, I'm I'm super, I'm yeah. super. Like I said, I'm super pumped for Mortal Kombat next week. And the question is, do I go to the theater to see it? Great. <laughs> right. Uh, well, I'll I'll be second vaccinated Wednesday. Nice, but then it's good. like two weeks before that really kicks in full. So I don't know, but we'll see. Yeah, they say it's what you're not officially fully vaccinated until you wait two weeks. 
but we'll see. We'll see what the what the showing is at the movie theater. If not, I'll watch it here on HBO, and then I'll go. Like I'm I'm about ready to go see Godzilla Kong. Even though I watched it here, I feel like I do need to see that on the big screen. So I feel like in the next week I'll go to the movies and see it. Now that the crowds died down, sure. I'm hoping the same thing with Nobody just came on demand. But twenty bucks to rent a movie when I can go watch it for eleven at the theater. I feel like maybe maybe the crowds will die down and I can go see it. Right, it's all on the wish list. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We're going to wrap up this show this week, talk about, as always, what we're geeking out on, what, uh, what's what got us, and it's been a lean week this week because we've both been extremely busy, you more than me, but yeah, we've been busy, but what, what you been geeking out on this week, Don? Yeah, uh, my geek out this week would happen to be something called Seven Secrets. Uh, it's a comic book by um tom taylor and uh i i picked up volume one the trade of seven secrets from boom studios i think my my geeking out on last week was something is killing the children that's another boom studios boom studios where it's at man i guess i'm on boom studio i'm on this boom studios kick right now they feel like they're like the new image they got a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff coming out from them right now but uh, like I said, Seven Secrets Volume 1, it collects issues uh, 1 through 6. And uh, just real quick, I have it here. I, would, I was going to read the uh, synopsis on the back. Seven Secrets will change the world. For centuries, the Order has trusted in keepers and holders to guard the secrets in seven briefcases against all harm. But when their stronghold is attacked and the secrets put in peril, the entire Order which is capitalized order. It's like a secret society. That's cool. Mm -hmm. Must face their greatest fear, an enemy who knows too much and is willing to kill to get what he wants. Now the order's newest member, Casper, must discover the truth of the secrets before the enemy does or risk losing everything. Uh, yeah, man, I read through this and it's, it's super cool. It's, um, it's, it's basically like there's these seven secrets that, would determine the fate of the world and each one of them is um hidden in this briefcase so there's seven briefcases and there's this organization that have dutied themselves with protecting these secrets so each briefcase has uh what is called two people who protect it one is called the keeper who i think the keeper as far as i kind of took from it the keeper like knows what is in the briefcase and he's the only one he or she is the only one who knows what's in the briefcase uh and the holder is the one who basically is in possession of the briefcase the whole time and it's like they have to protect it with their life and these two work together to make sure it doesn't fall into the wrong hands like evil forces or whatever uh and the seven secrets are they keep them all separate so they're in different countries in the world because that's one thing they kind of stress throughout this book is it's bad if all the keepers and holders are in the same place like the secret should never be in the same place or bad stuff could happen uh i mean it's it's super cool uh this so then we're introduced to this other organization like an evil organization who kind of has figured out a way where they're gonna attack and get try to get these secrets because they don't think that this order should be in charge of them I don't know. The book is, is really cool. It, it's got fun world building. It's like a globe trotting adventure action series. Uh, it's super action heavy. Um, 
the artist on this book is uh, his name is Daniel Dinaculo, and I I looked and he's he's drawn uh, the Power Rangers comics for the past couple years. So the art style is really cool. It's like uh, kind of man- manga inspired. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, man. I usually don't read books in trade, but I just saw this one and it kind of caught my eye. And I wanted to check it out because Tom Taylor, I talked about before, wrote Nightwing. He's writing Nightwing right now, which I said I loved. So I was really uh, looking for other projects from him that I haven't read. So I saw, oh, he wrote this book from Boom. Let me check it out. And it's cool enough that I'm I'm going to probably start buying it as single issues. I think this is collecting one through six and seven isn't out yet. So I'm oh, pretty nice. sure I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to start with seven and just like go from there. But it's totally uh, worth your time if you're a fan of um, like a globe-trotting adventure action kind of a thing. The art's great. The writing is cool. Uh, the mystery is going on each issue. Each issue kind of ends with a ha- uh, cliffhanger. And yeah, dude, totally recommend it. Seven Secrets from Boom Studios. Tom Taylor, check it out. Yeah, that actually sounds really cool. Like like I mentioned last week, when you t- I'd love really dig boom studios they do a lot of they do a lot of stuff and they get a lot of licensed stuff like i know they did a bill and ted comic um where i start the first thing i started reading from boom studios was uh big trouble little china escape from new york crossover so you had two versions of kurt russell (laughs) yeah i remember that one um and I read that and it was fun. And then I read through a whole big Trouble in Little China year comic that they did. And they just, they do really good with the uh, the licensed properties. They they have a lot of fun with some of that where you wish movies would work for that. Right. And then I started picking up a lot of their original stuff. And uh, I think the one you were talking about last week, we couldn't remember the name of, was like Grass Kings. Was that it was. I was yeah. listening. I was listening to our thing, and I was like, "Grass Kings." It just popped in my head when I was yeah. listening to myself stumble through it. <laughs> Man, I loved that book. I read I did that too. too, and it was like the art, super cool, like watercolor. Uh, that colors. art, I've never had a comic book before where I mean, it happens in all comic books at somewhere when you have good art. But that one, I stopped so many times just to look at the art. Yeah. It was just it was, gorgeous. Yeah, it was like you were looking at like paintings because they were like it was like painting. Yeah, it was all watercolor. It was yeah. gorgeous. Grass yeah. Kings. Yeah, look up the art for Grass Kings, and I mean that story was awesome. That was I, I really enjoyed that book. Yeah, and yeah, that was a, a Boom Comics one as well. But that's great. Yeah, I mean I might have to check that out. I'm trying to get through my pen over my head. Um, <laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying to uh, get my comic book store to get me. Uh, on the list for Nightwing for the second printing, I think is coming out this week. Yeah. Cause I think the next issue 79 came out and then the next week was the second printing of 78. So okay. you, should probably, you should be able to probably get both of them around the same time, if not in the same week. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, man. Do you have anything else? No, that was going to be it for me. Like you said, kind of a busy week, so that's kind of been my thing. How about you? What have you been geeking out on this week? I've been geeking out on Charles Charles Soule. Oh, yeah. In many ways, I've been geeking out on him. First, I started reading Anyone, which is his new book that just came out. His novel, I think it just came out in February, if I remember correctly. 
Um, it's a relatively oh no, sorry, I just made all of that up. It came up it came out in December of 2019, so I, I'm, I'm wrong on that. <laughs> but I was reading through his new book. I'm not too far into it, but I'm really enjoying it so far. It's I mean the way he writes from a novelization. Sometimes it's obviously it always comes down to when you're reading a book how the writing flows and if you can go along for that ride. And he writes really well. But this is a story about a woman uh, scientist who creates a technology that allows for the transfer of human consciousness between bodies and then how that transitions the world. So you kind of have this opening thing where she's trying to run this experiment to help with Alzheimer's and do stuff. And she accidentally teleports her consciousness into her husband's body who's in the house. And then she's trying to figure out how she did that. And then what does that mean? Right. But then they also jump to 25 years in the future and they're showing a world where this technology is openly used. And you have this other character who basically is selling her body on the black market to basically on the black market, you can say, Hey, you pay me $5,000. You can use my body for two hours to, and you can do whatever you want with it. And she basically does that and wakes up in a room with all of these dead bodies around her and she doesn't know what happened. So she's trying to solve this mystery, but that's 25 years in the future. So they keep going back and forth between the scientist as she's creating this technology to then the future where it's being abused. And I don't know if they're going to intersect at some point or if something like I don't know if time travel is going to become involved or if it's just that journey. But it's been really interesting. And I've read a few books lately about this seems to be a really popular theme of the switching consciousness, you know, being able to jump into other people's bodies. Um, it's, I feel like I keep stumbling into books that are that or similar. And I think there's going to be a bunch of shows coming. Cause I think this is being adapted into a show and there's another book that I can't remember the name of by Blake Crouch. And I enjoy his books and one very similar to similar idea that I think is getting turned into something. So, but so far from Charles soul, I've really been enjoying this story. Um, and it's been a solid. I haven't read his first book. It's, I'm probably going to read it next. Uh, Oracle, Oracle Life, I think it's called. Oracle Year. Yeah. Oracle Year. I had that on a list to that, read. Yeah, I have that sitting in my to read list. I own it sitting up there. I still haven't gotten to it. I'm a big fan of his, uh, just comics, because yeah. he's you know he's a comic book writer and a, a novel writer. He's that's my that was my next thing was that I've been reading the un undiscovered country trade volume one came well i think two just came out nice um but i'm about halfway through so i've read three or four issues in the volume one of undiscovered country and it's so solid of a of a book i know you read it and i know it's like day one reading for you um but basically and obviously you know a lot more than i do and we don't need to jump too far into that but basically it's this world in which america has closed its borders for 30 years and nobody knows what happened to America. And then all of a sudden they, there's a beacon going off saying, come here while the rest of the world is suffering from pandemics and suffering from viruses that are killing people and wiping away someone in America. This beacon goes off and says, Hey, why don't you come here? We'll give you the cure. So then they come in and all hell breaks loose. And I'm enjoying the hell. It's, it's Scott Snyder and uh, Charles soul writing this. Uh, writing the story with art from uh, who does the art on this one yeah, it's a, it's an italian last name it's hard like camicoli or something yeah yeah, yeah. giuseppe giuseppe camicoli so, yeah. yeah yeah 
but yeah, I mean, I've been I've been meaning to pick it up, and after I got my COVID shot uh, three weeks ago, I guess I went to the comic book store to reward myself for going to the doctor, and I'll probably do the same thing this week when I get this shot. I'll go get my shot, and then I'll swing by the comic book store because luckily they're close. Yeah, and I'll probably buy volume two. But I'm really enjoying Charles Soule this week, man. Um, yeah, that that book is really cool, man, because it's uh scott snyder and charles soul like collaborating which does not happen that much yeah and you've kind of like read stuff here and there about them being friends and i think they met each other for the first time at like a comic convention and they started talking about you know the books they were writing and kind of formed this friendship and then you can read places them talking about you know they became running buddies together and like bounce ideas off each other because i think they might live in the same uh, area or something like that but uh then they they go into they had this idea to do this comic together uh which is super cool like mm-hmm. two right two writers at the top of their game and i think they kind of they i could be wrong about this but i think they wrote the first issue together and then after that they like switch off like one does two one does three one does four one does five i can but see they, that but they map out the whole story together. Like they plot the whole thing together. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, yeah, it's, that's definitely a cool book. Good choice there. Yeah. I mean, I'm enjoying it, but I saw, I saw it and I've been meaning to pick up the first trade since I heard, cause I, I heard first heard about this story when the, this trade came out with the first six and I was like, Oh, that sounds really cool. And I saw who was involved and, said this is definitely something i want to read but it was hard for me to want to i sometimes it's hard for me to want to go buy trades due to the idea of i have a pile of comics i need to still read so then the idea of buying trades and letting those pile up seems wasteful for me but i decided to treat myself yeah after uh my my vaccinations so yeah i'm the same uh, way I'm not I'm not I'm not uh, regretting that decision as of right now. So I've been digging Charles Soul. And then the only other thing I was going to say, because I've watched it many times. But if you guys if you haven't watched it before, just hit HBO Max. I think it's still on Hulu as well. But if you never watched the sitcom Happy Endings, that show is hilarious. Have you ever watched Happy Endings with? uh, I can't think of what what that is. It's it's got it was extremely low watched like it was one of those ones that nobody watched and then they surprisingly got three seasons out of it but like the first season was like six episodes and it was on ABC it has Damon Wayans Jr. in it and uh, <laughs> why are you laughing? No, that was just not a name I was expecting you to say. I was like Damon Wayans Jr. Damon okay. Wayans Jr. I've watched everything that dude has done since he decided to come out of his father's shadow and that dude cracks me up. Okay. And and they have a lot of like meta jokes in there. Like I was just watching today because that was what I was laying on the couch watching all day. Again, I've watched these three seasons. I I honestly can't tell you how many times I've watched them. They just crack me up, but they have all these like meta jokes too, because like Damon Wayne's Jr.'s character is named Brad and he's married to his girl named Jane, and she's talking, trying to talk another character into starting a vision board. So she's like, you know, doing a vision board, and you know, whatever you put on the board will come true in real life. And they're doing this, that, and the other. And then he goes, "It's true." You know, Jane, Jane put, uh, you know, she was like, "That's how he, she got me," but she didn't have a picture of me. She just put a picture of one of the guys from In Living Color up there. <laughs> 
wah wah. Yeah, you know, and it's just like it's like jokes, but I mean, it's ridiculous, and it cracks me up. And it's got all kinds of character actors that you've seen in a million things. This one guy named Adam Polly, I think, who was actually in bringing it back to comic books. I think he was in Iron Man three as the news anchor guy who was in love with Robert Downey Jr. or Tony Stark and. Like, I remember there was a scene where Tony Stark was trying to, like, use someone's news van to get a signal out. And the guy was like, oh, my God, I have a goatee because of you. I know you're shrugging your shoulders. <laughs> I remember that scene because that dude was from Happy Endings. And that's the only reason I remember it. Yeah. And as I'm watching this show this time, I realized the Russos directed and produced most of these episodes. So just like the Russos were super involved in community. And that's why all of the actors and communities had cameos one way or another in MCU movies. Yeah, I'm realizing that there were a lot of happy endings actors that got cameos in some of these movies like him because the Russos were so involved in these couple comedy shows. So they and they have a very sense of they have a sense of humor like community. If you've ever seen community with Dan Harmon, I love that show. And this one where it's just off the wall kind of bonkers, you know, Rick and Morty type humor. And uh, happy endings is definitely a gem that in my opinion, and you should check it out if you're looking for something kind of stupid, funny to watch. <laughs> Interesting. So Might Damon Wayne's Jr. You guys should have seen the look on his face when I pulled out Damon Wayne's Jr. Yeah, if I would have been drinking, I would have spit out whatever <laughs> drinking. I, that is not the name of that is not the name I was expecting you to say. You said like sitcom. I was like, ah, he'll say like Kevin James or somebody. Oh like, God, no. Yeah. <laughs> Ray Romano's new show, but yeah. Damon Wayne's Jr. Damon Wayne's Jr. And that's going to do us for this week. Make sure you shoot us a message over on RaiseTheGeek at Twitter, at Twitter or RaiseTheGeek at gmail.com. Go over to our Anchor.fm page. Leave us a voicemail. We might even drop it in the show. Questions, comments, concerns, let us know how we're doing. Hit us those reviews. We're looking for five stars on all podcasts and social media services that you can find us. And until next time, I'm Chris. And I'm Don. And thanks for listening to the Raised a Geek podcast. Where we all speak geek. <laughs>